0: information. Coalition, actually. Um, and you're listening to Progressive Radio Network, the most listened to commercial free and truth radio program in the world. My name is Renee and the title of our show is What in the Cell is Going On? We're on every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, which can be accessed live on PRN. Dot live, or you can call 641-793-7091 to listen live. We are blessed today to have Dr. Irene Mavrakakis. I'm not saying it correctly again. I'm so sorry, Dr. Irene. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Dr. Uh, Irene. <laughs> that's fine. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And I did invite our researcher naturopath, Dr. True Ott, on as well. Dr. True, are you there?
1: I am here. Thanks for having me on. And and, uh, greetings to you, Dr. Irene.
0: Oh, it's very
2: nice to meet you.
0: And so I just wanted, I know that you were our guest yesterday on our podcast and just some of the stuff you were talking about, Dr. Irene, was a little bit over my head because I'm just a mommy. I'm just a simple mommy um, with a lot of love in my heart. But Dr. True is a little more, uh, you know, he can understand you a little better. So I wanted him to be on with me just to, you know, be able to comprehend everything. So why don't you just start by sharing your story because we're so excited that you're willing to to share risking, you know, everything that you've been doing for so long. And I'll just let you take over, ma'am.
2: Right, and of course, I have to premise the conversation by this is not intended to be medical advice. This is just for informational purposes and some of my own hypotheses and theories as it relates to um, various topics, including viruses, immunology, and vaccines, and people should ask their own medical providers for advice. Um, with that said, you know, my journey um, started in 2012 when. I had a severe adverse reaction to a flu vaccine, and part of the issue was that I had a pre existing mild latex allergy. And unbeknownst to me, um, there was actually latex in the vaccine, and I subsequently had anaphylaxis. But on top of that, I wound up cross-reacting to a lot of foods and was really sick, multiple EpiPens, recurrent anaphylaxis, high doses of medications. And um, at that time, wound up going to Hopkins, and they put me on a medication called gastrochrome cell stabilizer, which really helped me turn around and get my life back and through a series of uh, various forms of healing, wellness, nutrition, um, Ten years later, I take no medicines and have gotten 95% of my foods back, including peanuts. Now, that's a 10-year road. And my interest in vaccines at that time came to just be how the heck could one shot really mess me up that bad was one thing. And I wasn't really... You know, my kids are fully vaccinated up until, you know, recently. And I did have some other things happen where I had a chief master sergeant, because I see a lot of airmen because I live near an Air Force base, um, come to my office and ask me if I had an open mind. And at that point, he gave me, this is before my vaccine injury, he gave me a book called Vaccine A by Gary Massimuto, which, um, of course, I thinking that you guys are very aware of this, the squalene of the which is in the vaccines as an adjuvant had a lot of side effects. And of course, unfortunately and unbeknownst to the overwhelming majority of the population, MF fifty nine is renamed as squalene and is in the high potency flu vaccine, which has a high bears reporting in the database. So it's been a long road for me. Um, but I Consume a lot of information, and I just started to understand because my issue was allergy and anaphylaxis, and I had underlying genetic susceptibility. I had anaphylaxis at four years old, so you know that's what happened to my immune system in combination with some other problems uh, for sure. And um, I just tried to figure out how that could cause anaphylaxis, and there was a couple of parts in my journey that are super important that I'd like to discuss that give us an epiphany as it relates to the cytokine storm in the flu and COVID vaccinated patients that is ongoing today. And I think that is something that I really think more people need to understand. And that's my area of expertise as it relates to my side research that I do. Um, so You know, I was trying to understand anaphylaxis, and I was trying to understand what the ingredients were in a vaccine, and I didn't know how to find out what the ingredients were. Um, So I finally found the language, right? It's adjuvants and excipients. And you can actually look at the ingredients in the current vaccine schedule by Googling, you know, CDC vaccine adjuvants and excipients from the CDC. Not all adjuvants and excipients are actually listed in there. Some of them are proprietary. And then my other um, epiphany was finding this book called Vaccine Adjuvant by Derek T. O'Hagan. And that lists all the other adjuvants and excipients currently used in the United States. Because I was trying to figure out how I could be so allergic and so anaphylactic, And the first epiphany was I stumbled upon this lecture by Charles Rickett who in 1913 won the Nobel Peace Prize for coining the term and understanding the concepts of anaphylaxis. And he was doing some experiments and noticed after repeated injection that, you know, these animals die. And what his Nobel Peace Lecture describes, which is just a wonderful read, if anybody wants to fully understand, is that injection... Of an organic substance latex is a rubber tree plant and food particles and any other organic substance creates sensitization which makes you have IgE immunoglobulin E and that immunoglobulin E hangs out on your mast cells and waits for subsequent exposure and so that concept is really important because you know we're really not supposed to have legume oil, milk protein, and latex and other substances injected into us because it bypasses the natural route. Just think when you have a baby, you introduce foods orally slowly, right? And, you know, so the idea of having all these different substances. So why is there even adjuvants and excipients in the vaccines? Because actually dead virus is not really something that produces a good immune response that they want, for the concept of mimicking natural immunity by producing these vaccines. So that's the reason why all this other stuff is in there. Some of the stuff actually I don't understand is in there, right? So then I developed this hypothesis that anaphylactic allergies have their origins to some extent in... um, food antigens that are in vaccines because I saw on the CDC listing that there's milk protein, which can cause the milk allergy and some other substances that can lead to various, you know, allergies, including, you know, all this new beef allergies and things like that. But my hypothesis had a hole in it because I couldn't find peanuts. And as the vaccine schedule quadrupled from 1986, when they removed product liability through um, the law that needs to be repealed, HR five five four six. And I finally found it in this book by Derek hagan Four years later, under adjuvant subtype vehicles, it's on page five of the book. Water and oil emulsions, vegetable oil (parentheses peanut oil). So there is peanut oil in the vaccine adjuvants and excipients. Like, just think about it. Like. Everybody's kind of allergic to the same stuff. I'm not saying it's the sole cause. This is a hypothesis. But, you know, in the 1950s, they put cottonseed oil in vaccine adjuvants and excipients, and the pediatricians were like, take this stuff out. Everybody's getting allergic to this stuff. And they listened to the pediatricians, and they took it out. So... I think, you know, a one-year-old who's anaphylactic to peanut didn't eat his way to it. And there's other confounding terrain-based and naturalistic concepts. But in general, no one's anaphylactic to grass or plastic. There's a difference between allergy and anaphylaxis. Anaphylaxis actually occurs, according to Charles Rickett, because we're trying to rid our body of something foreign. And it correlates with the concepts of vaccines in general, right? Because they are seeking to mimic the immune response by injecting this dead virus, which produces B and T cells and all this stuff, so that when you subsequently see that antigen, you know, you're gonna mount an immune response. But if you inject peanut, you develop IgE because that's the immunoglobulin assigned to organic material for whatever reason. And so the drug for me that saved my life is something called gastrochrome, which stabilizes mast cells and saved my life. And so there's another research article as it relates to flu vaccine. It's called Flu Vaccine Causes Dengue-Like Illness. And it was a British Journal of Medicine article, April 2018, and they were looking at death in the flu-vaccinated population, and they found that they have IgE to the flu viral antigenetic structure, and the people that are dying of the cytokine storm are actually in anaphylaxis, which makes sense, right? Because all in RNA or DNA viruses is a sequence of ATAG or U if it's if it's uh, ribonucleic acid and it's injected into you and you're going to make IgE as well. And then when you subsequently get exposed to it, you're going to have a cytokine storm that's IgE mediated. So my other hypothesis as it relates to COVID and flu vaccine and COVID exposure is the following. The antigenetic structure of COVID is very similar to few reasons, but also because there's an article from the Department of Defense in 2018 that demonstrated that flu vaccine increases coronavirus susceptibility by 36%, and it may be just because there's antigenetic contamination, meaning when you PCR test them, you're measuring the same similar genetic sequences, and so... The idea is that flu vaccinated and COVID vaccinated patients in day six to eight, especially when they're sick, the cytokine storm is IgE mediated and there's multiple studies that show that there's high eosinophils and IgE in those patients. And there's a Dr. Chetty protocol, which we're about to try and get IRB approval for allergy treatment in these patients, because that makes sense. So My hypothesis is that a lot of this cytokine storm is related to prior sensitization of that particular antigen via injection and cross-immunity between flu and COVID. And that was a lot, so I'll stop talking.
0: Mm -hmm. Dr.
2: Chiu.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Irene, uh, congratulations on on some good research. Uh, Very well done. Let me just... uh, uh, pipe in some things. Uh, I like your hypothesis. I think it's more uh, than a a hypothesis. I think you're right on point. I think you're actually more of theory, and the theory needs to be proven, and I think you're exactly right on point, so congratulations. That's my opinion, okay? Now, let's go back and turn the the pages back a little bit that might help you to flesh out and understand what's really going on in your body, And, and that's all you can really do, right? Uh, your body's different than anybody else's, and so you're going to have different reactions to different things, uh, whether whether um, it's a, an injection or just a seasonal allergy. So we're all different, and thank God we are uh, all different. I would go back to uh, the year 1918 when the the, the so-called Spanish flu uh, epidemic yeah. killed so many people, and the findings of, of Dr. Rosen now uh, – who was the equivalent of the Surgeon General back then, okay, the, the highest-ranking medical officer in the U.S. military. And he was uh, determined to find the root cause of, of the so-called origins of the, of the Spanish flu, so-called. Uh, mm-hmm. doctor, the, the doctor's uh, reports were actually published in the New England, New England Journal of Medicine and created quite a store, and, and yet it's been hidden. In so many of the medical mm-hmm. literature and, and what's been taught in the um, the medical schools, actually, which is basically just shoots a, a completely a big hole in the so-called germ theory of disease, which is just that a theory uh, and, and a bad one at that. That's been totally disproven by Rosenthal, Rosenau and others. Okay, in a nutshell, Doctor Rosenau said, "Well, he 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 believed in." The fact that this was uh, this this influenza, as it was called, was transmitted via you know air droplets, via even you know people sneezing and coughing on each other. But he went to the to the nth degree. Actually, took um, mm-hmm. infected individuals and injected them with with uh, with so called pathogens, and and they were they were not they did not get sick. The bottom line is he figured uh, this out and and, and had his conclusions in in the year 1920 and presented them actually in in a book form to President Woodrow Wilson at the Oval Office in the the Rose Garden. And I have a copy of this. It's called The Horrors of Vaccination, actually. Dr. Dr. Rognal's team verified that the origins of, of all of this comes from a tainted, Vaccine, specifically a typhus fever mm-hmm. vaccine that was given uh, in massive millions of doses to people associated with the armed forces in the Spanish bases there in uh, as they were preparing to go into the trenches of of the great War, World War one. And he showed that there was a linkage causative factor with people that were infected because of some very tainted problems in the vaccine made by the Rockefeller Foundation, by the way. And of that course. people that became infected they as they had sexual relations with with their spouses and even their girlfriend back then, that these the transmission of the body fluids caused the inflection, inflectionary cycle. But it was nothing to do with passing a virus or a bacteria. Back then in nineteen eighteen Viruses were theoretical. It wasn't until the advent of the uh, electron microscope they verified viruses existed. But clearly, what Rosen, Rosenau and, and others found, viruses are simply the, the, the residue of dead and dying cells in the body. When a cell dies through apoptosis or, or what have you, it as it decomposes, the viruses are created. And they showed that bacteria of which we all have millions and millions of bacteria in our body. Bacteria just goes and they basically eat that the virus material. So that should have been clear and present, you know, complete proof that the whole germ theory of, of how things are spread, not not and not the least of which, vaccination horrors are something we just we just don't need to foist on people. But, you see, there's no money in truth, it seems.
2: Well, you know, and let's break that down a little bit more. You know, what people call viruses, let's just talk about it. And let's also talk about, like, you know, what's an mRNA vaccine, which is not a vaccine compared to traditional vaccine, because I think it's important for people to understand the language that we're talking about. So when a virus, what they label as a virus, either RNA or DNA is literally just a sequence of genetic code, ATCG if it's DNA and AUCG if it's RNA. Okay. That's Correct. all it is. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and so when, and this is also important for people to understand, which, you know, is, is, is absurd, is that, you know, messenger RNA which is what one of the bio- both biologics, the Pfizer and the Moderna are, messenger RNA, messenger ribonucleic acid, absolutely um, is translated into amino acids that's transmitted to proteins in the cells because the ribosomes and the working mechanisms that have to do that are in your cells. So normally you have DNA, and then messenger RNA gets involved in your own cells, and then you go through trans, uh, Scription and then translation. And that's the process by which we make proteins, which are the building blocks of life, you know, and then we produce our source energy through ATP in the mitochondria. So, on a cellular level, people need to understand that what viruses are defined as are just pieces of genetic structure. Not only that, you know, it's, it's, there's so many um, evolutionary consistent codes that code for three I amino mean, acids, three. Um, CTAGs or whatever code for amino acids, and then the amino acids code for proteins. So people need to understand the basic science of it, right? Because if you understand that, it doesn't become like scary stuff. So does, that's the whole issue with the PCR test per se, because PCR was not invented to diagnose clinical disease. They use PCR tests for C. diff disease, but it's only in the context of the clinical disease that you, if someone is actually sick, that you can even make that diagnosis, right? All it does is take a certain genetic sequence that um, is not necessarily well-defined, and Professor Drosden, who made the first PCR test, for coronavirus did not come from a viral isolate. It came from a computer model from the first SARS. That's where the exactly. PCR test genetic exactly. came from. and And so that PCR amplification at 20 to 40 cycles, and at some point they were doing 40 cycles, which is just complete of amplification that has no validity to translate the clinical disease and you cannot transmit disease if you're not you know, sick and asymptomatic testing is faulty and PCR testing itself as it relates to clinical disease is a faulty process as well and you know what's the interesting part is professor Drossen made the first PCR test for Zika Ebola and anthrax by happenstance um, or by not happenstance. And the first company to make vaccines is actually this small company called Grefex for these diseases, Zika and um, Ebola and anthrax. And also, interesting enough, in September of 2019, the National Institute of Health, according to a New York Post article that I have a screenshot of, donated gave $19 million to Grefex for the development of mRNA, adenovirus, coronavirus, Vaccine technology. That's September of 2019.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, it goes back to again uh, polymerase chain reaction PCR test. I've interviewed Dr. Mollis uh, when he came out with it because it was so mm-hmm. he, he he was so so pro uh, proactive to say, listen, it's not, it's not the germ theory. We need to understand. We need to understand what is what is a virus. Just like you said, it's 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 you basically mRNA. Uh, your very own RNA fragments surrounded by a protein sheath. And as such, it is really not capable of causing major disease states, especially when it's expelled because it has a half-life of, what, five seconds out in the air with the sunlight? It just goes away. So the whole
2: whole thing is bogus. Right. There's no evidence. They have not demonstrated person to person transmission. The virus has not been isolated. You know, Dr. Andy Kaufman is an acquaintance of mine. I'm sure you know him. And, you know, the other issue with all of this is like all of that they did, you know, masks, you know, have no evidence that prevent the transmission of anything. You know, all of this was just pseudoscience, you know, and the idea that uh, all of this occurred is really important for us to understand it in the context of our civil liberties, right? So people get mad at the CDC, and I am frustrated with the CDC as it relates to their recommendations, but they're not our governing authority. They make guidelines, and it is true that since the law that was passed removing product liability, um, HSS and no other organization, according to the can FOIA request, have done any safety studies on the current vaccine schedule, even though that was mandated by the 1986 law that removed product liability and established the vaccine adverse reporting system and the healthcare care compensation fund for which seven billion dollars was already paid out before COVID, for which the Lazarus report said only one to 10 percent of adverse events are even reported. Right. But the mm-hmm. CDC is not our governing body. It's, and it also is a private um uh, has private funding from the CDC foundation and the CDC foundation receives funds from the foundation arms of the pharmaceutical industry, including others, which is strange like TikTok and all these other weird entities that donate money to the CDC foundation, which donates money to the CDC. But you know, when people ask me, you know, how did this happen? I tell them you, you, we the people complied and governmental agencies, doctors, businesses, politicians complied with a recommendation from an organization that you know has questionable funding and a questionable agenda or just simply don't know I don't know what the issue is so we can be upset with the CDC because their recommendations you know seem to have no depth to the research behind them but they didn't have the authority to lock us down and mass mandates lockdowns Forced COVID testing and forced, of course, vaccines are all medical procedures and we all should have informed consent, which should be where we have disclosure of the risks and benefits. And none of this should be tied to our ability to have life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And the issue with this whole situation is that we have quintessential government interference with the 1986 law, because if they didn't have product liability, then it would be shown that these adverse reactions are Occurring all along because of the fact that they're hitting in federal vaccine court. And so I think that law needs to be repealed. And I think, you know, we need to lawyers have at it. But, you know, the other issue is that we also have these coercive monopolistic governmental entities that don't have, you know, competition amongst the people that are making these decisions. And we kind of have, you know, vaccine and epidemiological ideologues, which are very similar to Warhawk ideologues that can't see outside their own bubble.
1: Yeah. I got to tell you this also, when when this uh, all came down in in, uh, in early 2020, a lot of, of my, I have quite a few friends and Native American friends on the Hopi and Navajo reservations in Arizona, and they were very concerned. They were, my friends, they were calling me. There was a, a a much higher incidence, statistically speaking, of what they were of course calling COVID nineteen on the reservations. And in fact, as I go down to Tuba City to meet with uh, the officials down there, it was it was surreal. It was uh, completely almost military style lock, lockdown. Uh, nobody got on the street allowed after 5 o'clock p.m., uh, subject to arrest type of thing. If you didn't wear a, a face mask anywhere, you were subject to be taken in and fined and even incarcerated. It, it was draconian and extreme. And so I'm down there uh, as, a, as a researcher because, yes, uh, it was like 5 to 10 times higher uh, infection ratios than New York City. It was really, really a hot spot. Okay, I don't, I don't know if you knew this or not. And so my friends were saying, you know, you're an investigative reporter, first of all, and a naturopath, uh, naturopathic doctor, secondly, so come down and see what you can help us find out. Well, I, w- I was amazed, uh, Dr. Irene, to go down there and, and meet with the Navajo officials. And I began to say, okay, what what uh, happened different in 2019 in uh, in October, November, anything different happened as far as to your water, into uh, your overall health uh, on the reservation at all? He says, "Well, let's see. Yeah, we had we had a contract with a company who installed some some technology on top of our water tanks. Uh, mm-hmm. Very high. It was, and I took pit, and I got pictures of this. So they were changing the vibratory frequency structure of the water itself, supplying mm-hmm. to these." Um, the reservation lands, but more importantly, I said, have you found a correlation? There was an unprecedented vaccination campaign mm-hmm. among the reservation mm-hmm. personnel uh, mm-hmm. that they came out with a new quadrivalent influenza mm-hmm. vaccine, mm-hmm. specially designed mm-hmm. for, for yeah. the Native American population. And for the first time ever, the Bureau of Indian Affairs came out, and uh, if you as an adult, uh, took, took the vaccine. Uh, willingly, you were giving a $300 voucher to the trading post. You can buy anything you wanted there. Which is basically bribing people to go and take this shot and uh, a quad, a quadrivalent vaccine. And I said, could you give me copies of, if you have any old vials, any, any circulars? Uh, this is uh, the, the headquarters in Tuba City, right? And they began to say, "Well, well, we'll try, but it's you know this false campaign." And I said, "Find out if you can how many people that were hospitalized and/or died from COVID nineteen. If you find even one that had not received this quadrivalent vaccine, I want to know about it." Mm-hmm. And they looked right. at me like,
2: "Exactly! Mm-hmm. Wow! Um, right? Because the the, the my the hypothesis. The tr- yeah."
1: The chairman of the of the reservation was stunned, and he came back, and he talked to his, to his people there. He came back, and he said, are you saying what I think you're saying? I said, no, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying there's got to be a cause and effect. Okay, let's look for the chain. Now, we can we can dispose of this if you have people sick and dying that have never been associated with anybody va- uh, vaccinated or in the household. But because of, you know, if a husband gets the vaccine and the wife doesn't, it comes home and has in the next 72 hours, they can be infected just if they got the shot themselves. So we've got to see if it's in the household. This is investigative journalism, right? And I tell you, uh, uh, 72 hours later, I, uh, it was almost they were ready to put on the war paint and go uh, attack people. I mean, it was clear that there was a cor- correlating factor. And yes. uh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so there you because go article from 2018 from the department of defense that shows that there's increased coronavirus susceptibility by 30. And in that article on table five is the raw data, right? And so that's exactly the thing. Remember in the beginning of the pandemic, when they, when the British statistician predicted that we were going to have billions of dead and diseased people, the people that had COVID in the beginning were the people, were nurses, military, and nursing home patient all heavily flu-vaccinated. Not even that. Remember, California and New York are heavily flu-vaccinated and other-vaccinated because two years before they provided, um, they passed very draconian anti-medical freedom laws that removed medical and religious exemptions, uh, except for the most extreme cases. And the governor's made hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and ivermectin um, unavailable, which are profoundly safe and effective, of course those medications being safe and effective was a whole other can of worms because you can't get EUA approval for a vaccine if they're safe and effective medications, right? So that is the case, right? That study shows increased susceptibility probably because of antigenetic contamination. And also, you know, the other issue is I studied the Italian city. You know that Italian city where they had all these dead people, like seventy percent of the people or fifty to seventy percent of the people in the small Italian city, Velasnia or something like that, in the beginning, I had an Italian friend of mine translate flyers and articles from there, and it turns out that they had a mass uh, pneumonia and influenza and other vaccination campaign right before that
1: right? there you go and so, and so what's what's funny and I'm just i don't want to interrupt you but but yeah the 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 rest of the story is. Just like you said in that place in, in, uh, in Italy, it's the same thing here. The, the densities, there, there was, see, first of all, you've got to remember that, that, that we're talking about a, a wide, isolated group of people here. The Navajo mm-hmm. Reservation and the Hopi Reservation is uh, huge and, and, and very uh, low populated areas, but they had specific hot spots where they were really concentrated. There was no international airport there, there's no travel. Nothing fits the model of the C D C on how to you know how this infectious disease is formed. That's that's the first big uh red herring question mark that I saw. How is this possible when you're you're a hundred miles away from a, a a center of population and you're isolated by yourself out there. And and here was, you see these, these things coming out that there's these these waves. Now, the, the people that got sick and died all were in a certain area. that just happened to be a spot where Nancy Pelosi's family were trying to get the Navajos off of that land because of the uranium deposits they were trying to mine out of it. Isn't that just interestingly questionable to me? I say, yeah. But, oh my God, this just mm-hmm. does, does not fit any of the infectious disease models. So it has to be a, it was either injected into the water people drink, uh, drinking some kind of a toxin that was, that was given there, or frequency vibration energy, or direct injected into the body via the uh, contaminated vaccine, or, or a combination of both. And that's exactly, you know, it's not, to me, it's not a hypothesis. To me, it's, if I were just to go before a jury of my peers and show them the evidence, I think they would convict on
2: this. Well, yeah, because those two articles that we have—the BMJ article that talks about, you know, the dengue-like illness and the IgE—and actually, um, a lot of the studies are showing in the COVID sick patients at day six to eight—they have high IgE and mast cells and eosinophils. So, you know, there's a lot of validity to it. And of course, they just did this massive flu vaccine campaign and COVID vaccine campaign in the fall. And now we're having, you know, we're just literally injecting sequences of DNA that we're subsequently measuring on the other side, on the polymerase chain reaction. I mean, it's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And so uh, all we really can do, Dr. Irene, and I have told, told Renee this so many times being a guest on her show, uh, all we have, all we really can do is we, the people is just inform. Uh, golly, we don't have, uh, printing press in our basements to churn out uh, billions of dollars to, to to basically control the media and all the TV shows and all the talking heads and, and the medical schools. We're, we're literally a David against a huge Goliath but you know all we can do is tell the truth and, and show what common sense dictates. This is not natural. It's not normal. These vaccines do not belong in our body and and most people innately understand that, but they can be programmed and brainwashed, if you will, to do something totally ridiculous. In the case of the Navajo and the Hopi, get paid in vouchers. They can buy all kinds of, of fire water if they need to. I mean, most people, I hate to say this, but it's the truth, took their $300 vouchers and, and loaded up with with spirits, uh, which is not well, good. Well, yeah. But, it's a well, sad situation. Most doctors,
2: totally. sorry, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead.
1: No, I just I, <laughs> it, it it makes me emotional uh, knowing you know these mm-hmm. people live off the land. Most of them don't even have indoor plumbing. Uh, mm-hmm. They really live live uh, Spartan lifestyle, and they're good people. I mean, they 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 have a small garden. They subsist, they subsist off, and they have. Uh, a few head of sheep. Um some of them have larger larger herds of course, but that's what they've done for literally centuries. And to have them wiped out is a, is a crime against humanity and this makes my blood boil.
2: Yeah, I think it's all very disheartening and very concerning and you know i was afraid in the beginning you know i knew march 2020 i had already seen the patents i told people that they were going to force a vaccine upon us and uh it didn't go over really well and then i was quiet for about a year um but at this point um you know i especially with my hypothesis and my research i really um can't live with myself if i don't try you know to educate i i say to people listen You know they say the science which science economic biological logic there is no science that was used as it relates to this pandemic we never Um, vaccinate during a pandemic and especially respiratory viruses which are known to mutate and i would say to people that no matter how you feel about anything respiratory viral vaccination needs to be um, stopped until further study can be warranted just on the basic flu vaccine and COVID vaccine, because it actually makes no sense whatsoever. And I went back and looked at the CDC data, and I didn't do a data analysis, but just looked at it for, you know, a couple hours um, a few months ago. And as far as I can tell, and we need to do the data analysis, death and disease from flu did not improve with the advent of the Yoliti flu vaccine, which is brought to you by you know, another pandemic, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, it makes no sense to repetitively vaccinate the population for things that are known to be, um, mutational. You know, if we want to talk about, you know, what the common people are talking about these days and also respiratory viruses, you know, and I know you're a terrain person and I kind of am in between, you know, terrain and, you know, where Dr. Kaufman is and where you are, but irrespective of that, You know, it's a nasopharyngeal root, so injecting pieces of RNA and DNA into you doesn't even make sense why we would do that. And I tell people the following. They told you to not hug grandma, wear a mask that does not work, (laughs) take force of course testing, and vaccinate with mRNA so that you wouldn't get that spike protein so that you literally can have messenger RNA injected into you so your body would literally create spike protein that you're supposed to be afraid of with no shutoff valves whatsoever in the system on um, something that's never been done in the history of humanity. The first studies on SARS, all the rats died, of course, with eosinophilia and ground glass lungs, right? And by a company, Moderna, that's never made a vaccine before, and it's not even a vaccine, right? So what sense does that even make to you people? It makes no sense. But we have to understand to, that this is just myths and, uh, you know, misunderstandings and, and bad science and money influence and short-sightedness.
1: Not to mention that graphene hydroxide did self-assemble. Uh, that, that's, that's a fact. I have seen it myself, Dr. Irene, in my lab, in my high-powered microscope. I've seen these particles self-assemble. I was doing this before Carrie Maday even came out and said, Oh my God, I was seeing these and I was saying, What in the hell is going on? What in the cell is going on I should say.
2: <laughs> oh, exactly. And, and so,
1: yeah. It's it's insanity. Complete insanity. It's beyond that really though. It's the mindset of the people doing this, they are not doing it ignorantly. There's a there's an agenda here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it's just it's just sad that people just trust the white coats, the science and saying, you know, golly, it must be OK because everybody's doing it. You know, mm-hmm. you would. Well, you know, know, I want vaccinating- to say
0: something real fast. What about the people that didn't get the vaccine that got this so-called vaccine, this COVID, you know, label they're saying, uh, what they didn't get the vaccine. And that's what, that's where the, the, the gigahertz of the radiation comes from that I'd like you to introduce it to Dr. True.
1: Well, yeah, that's part of it. But I, again, just because you haven't been jabbed doesn't mean you're not having relations with somebody that has been, And I'm talking about swapping body mm-hmm. fluids. Cause that's what, again, mm-hmm. that's what Rosenau uh, showed in his final diagnostics. And uh, his paper, he presented and turned into a book form it gave to President Wilson. Look, it's it's once you've got a contamination running rampant and you you have sexual relations, even doesn't even have to have to be uh, that as much as even kissing deeply, okay? can can do some things that cause this uh, to actually um, multiply like a snowball rolling down a mountainside. And that frankly should have been what, you know, stopped this whole nonsense. And, and if, if I like what you said, Dr. Ryan, I mean we the people needed to stand up in the 1920s and say enough is enough and, and disenfranchise these, these toxic poison manufacturers, but it didn't happen because why we were in the roaring twenties. Everything's good. Lots of money flowing around. It's, it's happy times are here again, see?
2: Well, yeah, exactly. So we really do. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I think that, like you just said, you know, we the people. But we the people still have the ability to you know, I believe, take control of our economic, political, and, you know, science-driven lives if we can get people, you know, to understand um, what has happened to us. And I still, I'm not a big uh, conspiracy person. I believe that we can explain all of this based on ideologues, vaccine ideologues, um, myths, misunderstandings, money-mongering, and uh, ignorance. Um, and, um, you know, I think that the light needs to be, uh, shown on all the players, um, as it relates to what happened. Um, but before I wanted to ask you about SM one Oh two, which is in the Moderna vaccine. Do do you want to talk about that? Have you?
1: Surely, we, we sure can. I, I, we can go there. The, the adjuvants and all the additives that are put in, I just want to go across the board to all vaccinations. Actually, if you look at uh-huh. those, and this is what uh, Renee has done such a great job in doing, is listing. Listen, informed consent, right? Look at all this this stuff. From, I mean, it affects people's hormones powerfully. Mm-hmm. though. I mean, you know, what not even talking about about the the the. The bad jabs. I mean, the, the gene altering jabs. I mean, just a regular run of the mill. That you know, kids are are being injected thousands uh, of times before they're even five years old. And what's happening in the hormonal structures? I can, I just want to say this out out and out. When you affect the hormones, you affect their ability to to identify as a gender. I mean, when you start questioning, well, wow, I'm I'm sexually aroused by. A man, if I'm a man, well, that doesn't happen naturally. It's not put in there by our by our creator. He doesn't make mistakes, doesn't put a female body, okay, uh, a female spirit in a female body or a man's body. It just doesn't happen. It takes man to mess that up through the adjuvants. And that's what's happening, big time. So it's a, well, yeah. across the board. Yeah. yeah, go ahead.
2: Well, yeah, you can take that a couple of more steps forward. First of all. You know, there's remnants of fetal uh, DNA in uh, some of the vaccine adjuvants and excipients, MRC5 and WI3. That's listed in the adjuvant and excipient list. And the latest substrate actually is Walvax, um, which um, was made in Wuhan, China. Um, So that's a whole other can of worms. But what you have to remember is if you inject fetal Uh, If there's remnants of fetal DNA and all these, you know, the United States has, you know, the largest vaccine schedule. So it's like, you know, four to five times most other countries. And, you know, people will say causation and, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation. But, you know, it does warrant further study, except that they never studied it because, you know, why would they? But if you've got extra X and Y chromosomes repetitively injected into both pregnant mothers and babies, right those extra x and y chromosomes have you know potential ability to um, influence the hormonal milieu of the developing fetus cuz back in the day I'm 55 we never vaccinated you know it's considered pregnancy category C that's a whole other kind of worms but so when the baby is in utero right all babies are female until they get a hormonal exposure that creates the development of uh, the male-female fetus uh, embryologically, but also the developing brain is exposed to a certain hormonal milieu that identifies them as self and identifies attraction. That's all stuff that occurred in the early years. So if you're injecting Mm -hmm. hormones and extra X and Y chromosomes, that are remnants of DNA that are in the adjuvants and excipients that are literally listed in the adjuvant and excipients list, you see that as humans we become chimera, right? And so you might have some expression of these extra X and Y chromosomes and the magnitude of vaccinations that occurs in the United States, right, where it's 70-plus doses. And you compare it to Finland and Sweden, which are like less than 10 doses, none of them mandatory, and they don't have you know, overwhelming majority of, you know, autism and autoimmune conditions and all of this allergy stuff and all this other stuff, you know, of course, no one has bothered to study it. We know that for a fact. So what I'm saying is is that these poor children, right, are being potentially exposed. These children, right, are being exposed to all these substances during in utero and in early development. Crime against humanity, mm-hmm. right? I do not believe that these kids are doing it just because social media says so. I mean, I do think that there's a little bit of influence, but I really do think that all of this crap is messing with male-female, and it's really something that bothers me almost more than anything else. And and, and well. the response, right? The response is to physiologically change them, which no one wants to say that, right? No one wants to say, but maybe we should work on their brain chemistry, right? Because it's much easier to work on brain chemistry than it is to chop off body parts, right? In children, you know? I mean, this, this has got to stop. I mean, it's just devastating. I, I really lose sleep over all of this.
1: And then you have people like April Renee, who lost her sweet angel, uh, died in her arms, and was told that it's just an acceptable risk for her immunity. Well, you can't say that to a loving mother and their family. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the highest crime and misdemeanor I could think of. And, and this is why, you know, hats off to Renee for de- donating much of her adult life now to to spread the word. She was, like she says often, she's just a, you know, loving mother who had, who trusted the white coat thought of doing the right thing for a little one. And no, it's not the right thing. Never has been, never will be. That's our message. I'll let I'll let you
0: And to trust in our creator and and realize like I say all the time, a broken arm or a cut in the finger. The body knows what to do innately. Our master physician is you know, is you can't perfect perfection. And that's what unfortunately the drug companies, you know, indoctrinate the doctors to believe, you know, they, they lead them to believe I've learned most of them aren't believers. That's why I'm so blessed to know that you, Dr. Irene, have accepted our Savior. Because at least you have yeah. His Holy Spirit to be able to see beyond that indoctrination. Because it, it's a it's an indoctrination to make you you know the medical doctors feel that they are God instead of realizing that we only have one and one only. And the body knows what to do. You don't have to poison it, bypassing his innate fever and vomiting and diarrhea right to the bloodstream with all these toxins that, that begins within three hours of birth with a hepatitis B vaccination, you know, and well, then can, and then the it, amount yeah. of vaccines they're giving them. But uh, like I said yesterday on the podcast, I, I'm, I'm surprised they're even calling this COVID jab. Um, a vaccination because it's not even I mean, it's so it's it's literally damaging our DNA. It's literally taken over. You know, it's taken over. It's turning us into robots is what it's doing. And uh, I mean, I, it's just an amazing journey I've been on because I was the victim of all victims. Uh, I hold my baby girl down, you know, thinking I was doing the best thing for her um, and allowed them to poison her, even though I was warned by her dad. You know, we should look into the vaccines. And I I told them I'd never be negligent and not vaccinate my child. And that's most people out there. We don't know. And that's why it's so important to get the truth to people, get the education to people so they can make that informed choice to let, you know, to either let them poison them them or not. You know, it's your choice. Do you want to do you want to, you know, trust in our body and trust in our creation Um, or do you want to allow You know, chemicals and and even the foods, the GMOs and the pesticides and everything that we put into our bodies, the waters, everything, all the contamination that we're exposed to, the chemtrails that we breathe, everything compounding toxicities to the cells. And we're wondering why, you know, autoimmune is a uh, you know, regular name today when 40 years ago it was never even heard of. You know, autoimmune is just the body recognizing self from non-self and attacking, again, intelligence. It's not a It's not a disease, it's just the body doing its job that our creator designed it to do. So um, I'm just so happy that you, Dr. Irene, are, are, you know, you didn't even tell Dr. True what kind of a doctor you are, so please tell him that.
2: Right, so I am an interventional spine and musculoskeletal specialist. I diagnose and treat complex painful conditions of the musculoskeletal and nervous system, and I do see some of the server vaccine injury patient population cases. i I've been non-narcotic the whole time. So back in the day when they pressured us, you know, to put musculoskeletal patients on narcotics, I stood my ground and uh, I didn't fight back as much as I should. I was kind of quiet about it. And, you know, so this time around with what's going on, I really felt like I needed to kind of speak out. And, you know, I am so appreciative of the opportunity um, to be on this podcast, but I do want to say a few things. I, it took, military guys and me to nearly die and be sick for 10 years for me to figure this out. And I read and block. Right. And I'm kind of a type a person. What I'm saying is that doctors don't know. They don't know. It's not even in their frame of reference. I mean, and I remember my journey when people were saying this remnants of fetal DNA and I kind of made fun of someone on a Facebook post and then I, they're like, go read this, you know, So they just don't know. We didn't learn any of this in med school. And it's not an excuse, but what I'm saying is look at what it took. And I was so, so very sick for 10 years for me to figure this out, to Mm -hmm. spend the time to read it. So it's not an excuse, but what I'm saying is people don't know. They just, and it's so many articles and finding peanut was a big deal to find that in adjuvant. So I'm just saying that the best path forward, in my opinion, is understanding education, patience, planting seeds, um, promoting freedom, informed consent, realizing that most of this is myths and understandings. realizing that for us politically, for us to have um, people elected who uh, value our life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the ability to have body autonomy, and the ability to make informed consent, you know, following the Helsinki Code of Ethics, the Belmont Report, and the Nuremberg Code. Um, and remember, in the end, it's all our choice. And remembering also that a lot of this has to do with economic freedoms and private businesses, not being everybody employed, not everybody being home. So a lot of this all ties into our civil, libertarian, civil liberties and freedoms. So I think... We have to fix all of that. We'll do it tomorrow,
0: right, right, Dr. True? That's right. That's right. I'm going to have to close now because uh, somebody else is coming on in a couple minutes, Um, but we do have the podcast. I want to remind everybody on Sunday, Uh, Dr. Irene, you've already agreed to be on it, Um, and Dr. True, if you're available, we can continue this and go even deeper. Uh, We'll have an hour and a half to be able to discuss this further, Um, but thank you both for taking your time with me today and sharing your wisdom with our audience, and we'll see you on Sunday, okay?
2: Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Dr. Eileen. Pleasure meeting you.
0: (laughs) Pleasure meeting you. You're listening to Vaccine Information Coalition, and our shows can be accessed later on whatinthecell.podbean.com or on the front page of our vacinfo.org website. Uh, under the belly of the little boy flexing his muscles. We're on every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Our contact number is 954-347-9671. To access our podcasts on Sunday, you can call 520-525-8633. And the code to get in is pound 6399 pound. And that'll be at three o'clock Eastern to 4.30 on Sunday. So we'd love, and this way you can actually participate in ask questions to both of these wonderful doctors. Um, And uh, so definitely try to participate with us on Sunday. And uh, most importantly, we thank Progressive Radio Network for allowing us to give you this uncompromised truth. And Yah bless.